I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. In today's show, we open by discussing Biden's short-sighted energy policy and how it has put the U.S. in quite a bind. Gas prices are set to rise thanks to OPEC Plus cutting oil production, a move that we all should have seen coming. But we also saw coming is that Joe Biden is going to try to buy votes by releasing more oil from our strategic reserves. He had committed to stop doing this, and now he's going to continue to do this. And this will all be designed to boost his poll numbers. And it should be offensive to all of you. Really, it should be illegal. And we give you all the details. Plus, we should impeach him. Some frightening election integrity news broke as well in the last couple of days. The New York Times has yet again tried to run defense for the Chinese Communist Party. These are directly related, and we explain. I give details on another left-wing supervillain that I believe I've uh, identified and is a threat to our republic. Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, is a subject of a major profile piece that I put together at Breitbart News, all highly reported stuff that you can see at Breitbart.com. Highlights of the reporting are shared in the opening of the broadcast, and I think uh, you'll be uh, frightened by what's going on. Our guest today is retired Navy SEAL Derek Van Orden, who is trying to flip a crucial House seat in Wisconsin. He talks about character and teamwork and the lawlessness of the Democrat Party, the importance of stopping communist China when it comes to farming and agriculture, etc. It really is an excellent interview, and he is an important American, so uh, hopefully head to the Congress as well. All that and more in the broadcast today. Let's get into it. show by discussing OPEC plus, which is the OPEC nations, which is basically Saudi Arabia and a bunch of nations that matter almost not at all compared to Saudi Arabia. And then 10 additional nations, including Russia, uh, that have had their energy ministers have agreed to cut 2 million barrels of oil production uh, every day. And the reality, we believe, will it'll probably mean about um, half of that will end up actually being the final number because there are some of these uh, countries have productivity issues as well. And demand is also way down. Demand is way down for a number of uh, reasons for oil, and I'll touch on some of them. Um, but this is a big deal politically in the United States because gas prices are already insanely high. I think we're still looking into it to figure out if what we're seeing in California are the highest numbers ever for the country. I can't imagine they're, they're not. Um, but this alliance, w- which is you know led by Saudi Arabia, has Russia in it, had a meeting in Vienna. And this is going to be their largest production cut since the pandemic first started. And it will squeeze the Joe Biden administration. This is everything they can to make ourselves completely dependent on the rest of the world for uh, foreign oil, as well as Europe as well. So this is not great for the West. The West is being manipulated and controlled by nations uh, that we don't have much control over at all. And uh, it is pretty clear to me that Joe Biden is a big part of the problem here. So the administration fears higher prices will aid Russia and hurt the U.S. allies in Europe. Uh, This will also be a blow to U.S. consumers ahead of the midterm election. John Carney wrote that for us in uh, one of his several articles that we put out yesterday on this. Um, 
globally, fossil fuel production has been starved of investment for years. Why would that be? Well, maybe there's a little thing going on called climate change, the biggest threat to humanity, the biggest threat to the world, the biggest threat to Mother Earth. All of that is why, number one, people have kind of not really invested in uh, in in energy right now. Uh, another thing is that China has a massive lockdowns, COVID lockdowns. So China is not using as much energy because they're keeping people home. The economy in Europe is very bad. The economy in the United States is very bad. All that uh, is a factor. So though Europe, because they don't have as much natural gas, that might be offset to some degree. Also, the United States has been releasing volumes of strategic oil, and we've continued to do this, and it was set to run out, but I didn't realize we were still doing it. We're still releasing massive amounts of our strategic reserves. So uh, we released strategic reserves for a while because Biden's poll numbers were going down due to the cost of gas. And then once the Ukraine-Russia war took place, then Biden had a legit excuse to do it, and he hasn't stopped. I didn't realize he hadn't stopped, and this was set to run out. So which is um, a uh, which which is probably a, another factor here. So Biden's reaction here, the White House's reaction, was to suggest that this is a uh, this is this is short-sighted. The level of projection is almost beyond belief. This is the classic, as John Carney noted in our Breitbart Business Digest that we work on together, is Freudian. It's the, the concept of projection where you identify your own personal problems in others. Joe Biden has sold his soul to the green movement. In many ways, I believe this is the quintessential issue of his presidency in one that I don't think there's anyone else talking about in exactly that way. But the, when you think about it, almost all of the problems that we face, aside from ones that are created by the left and leftist ideology that has subsumed the Democrat Party, almost all the problems that we face are based off of, and I, I guess these are correlated, are the back words view the Democrats have about energy, that they believe it is superior to not drill in the United States and to not harvest our own natural resources to satisfy the green movement in the United States and in Europe, to satisfy the globalist elite and their belief system, religious-like belief system with regards to climate change in Brussels and Davos. And because Biden's done this, uh, I, this is why you're paying so much at the pump. And this is now why we're getting rolled by OPEC plus, which is, you could just call it Saudi Arabia and Russia. And yet it is Biden the one who suggests that they're short-sighted. Now, what his rationale is for saying that, I almost don't even, I almost don't even care to figure it out. Because the White House didn't actually detail what is particularly short-sighted about the production cut. They didn't really say, they just announced it was short-sighted. So this is, um, I think, I think it, it typically inarticulate, but I really think it's our own short-sightedness that's put us in a squeeze. And you're gonna see the prices go up for you. 
This will make you feel worse about the economy. It'll make you feel worse about other things in your life. So John Carney writes at, um, in our Business Digest, if you're already producing at maximum capacity but below your assigned quota, as several countries are, a rising price due to quota reduction only adds to your revenues and profits. These additional profits create room for investment in more productive capacity, which is the opposite of short-sighted. So his analysis of what OPEC Plus is doing is that for their purposes, this is smart. The U.S. and Europe are the short-sighted ones. We are the short-sighted ones. No keystone. What, what signal does that sell that we should halt keystone? What signal does it sell that we've stymied oil, coal, and natural gas production in the United States? What signal does it, sell, does it send that we had an Inflation Reduction Act that doesn't reduce inflation? Do you know that we, I mentioned yesterday in the broadcast that we now have a $31 trillion debt first time ever. But what I didn't mention is that we are also collecting record taxes for the first time ever. Obviously, that's redundant. Record means first time ever. Um, but yes, federal tax collections are at a record. $4 trillion, $4.4 trillion for fiscal year 2022 so far. And setting the signal that we're going to sick the IRS agents on you if you don't declare, you know, the airline miles that um, you got and factor that into your tax uh, projections, whatever it is, then just assume those numbers are going to keep going up and up and up and we still can't pay for the stuff that we're funding. Confiscating $4.4 trillion of America's money and we're still this much in the hole. Um, we've just doubled down on everything that's inflationary and we've, we, and we've doubled down on not harvesting our own oil and making it cheap and abundant for Americans or for anyone else around the world. So now we are vulnerable to a foreign cartel that comes together and says, hey, we're going to manipulate the United States and Europe right now. And we can do it because there's nothing they can really do to stop us other than what Joe Biden is deciding to do. What's he deciding to do? He's going to release more strategic oil reserves. Now, this is not why you're supposed to release strategic oil reserves. You're supposed to uh, uh, release them because, for example, one major energy producing nation, Russia, is in a war and can't uh, get the rest of their energy out to the, the the places they have to, and that drives up global prices. That's the supposed to be the point. What's not supposed to be the point is Joe Biden is already getting hammered on inflation, number one issue, and the Democrats are heading for an election in four and a half weeks. And we got to get that oil out so that we can make sure those poll numbers don't drop too low, which is exactly what's going on. It should be illegal should be investigated and it should be impeachable. It's worth considering whether or not the White House announcing that this is short sighted is also some sort of a threat on OPEC plus nations. Not to say I feel like they'd be very intimidated by Joe Biden at this point. But it does sound very threat adjacent. Let's put it that way. So 
uh, clearly embarrassing for the United States that we're so focused on clean energy that we just give the bad guys all this power over you and your wallet. And Biden's response is he's going to release more strategic oil to make sure too many of you don't abandon him uh, when it comes to the election. The U.S. is looking to ease Venezuela sanctions, enabling Chevron to pump oil. Wall Street Journal has this report. We'll have our own version of this, I'm sure, today at Breitbart News at some point. They're preparing to scale down sanctions on Venezuela's authoritarian regime, truly evil people running that country. Why are they going to scale them down? Because they want Chevron to be able to produce more oil. Now, the oil in Venezuela is not as easy to refine as the oil in the United States. But again, no plans for Joe Biden and his administration to get more oil, natural uh, energy, natural gas, God forbid, coal from our from ourselves. So we're going to Venezuela. Venezuela is where we're going to go. We're going to go to one of the most evil communist regimes on the planet, and their crude is not as easy to refine as ours. It takes more time and money and resources. So it is be much easier just to drill baby drill at home, but we'll do this because for whatever reason, we can get away with it. The Greens don't seem to care as much. Maybe it's harder to protest. We're very economically precarious situation as a country. Private payrolls, ADP estimates, came in yesterday. Suggest that the labor market's still too hot. So the Fed moves, latest moves we've discussed pretty much daily on the show. Still no evidence that they're getting the job done in terms of reigning in inflation. Um, And there is uh, almost too much employment. So again, if the economy... The way the economy is moving, it is suggesting that there's only going to be more Biden inflation. John Carney's got a big explanation of all this at the front page of Breitbart also right now. But the whole point of what the Fed's trying to do is they're trying to get cool down the labor market, which will hopefully rein in inflation. And the fear is that the, he will have already taken efforts that will eventually cool down the employment, uh, the employment market. But then he'll get pressure from places like the UN to stop raising interest rates because, hey, it's not really working. And then we could get a huge stagflationary cycle, which we're already in. It just could get much worse. So he seems committed at this point trying to rein inflation. So let's see how he does. Um, Joe Biden was in Florida. He met with Ron DeSantis survey hurricane damage seemed like both sides were pretty professional about it. Oh, wait a minute. Joe Biden was caught in a hot mic saying no one Fs with a Biden. He was talking to a someone in Fort Myers Beach. He's on a hot, hot mic. And I guess he was talking to the local mayor. And he says, keep the faith. And by the way, you're raised the same way I was. No one Fs with a Biden. He did not use the letter. And the mayor replies, you're GD right. He did not use the letter also. Now, I have to say, if I was a Joe Biden fan, I would be fist pumping. Because that's just cool. He's just cool. Aviators on. Ice cream in hand. Extra spoon for Jill. No one Fs with this guy. 
the big guy. Um, it just reminds you, I got a great email from someone when that happened, the, of the, how great the portrayal of John James in My Son Hunter was, how right on it was to not portray him like some sort of a weak idiot. He, he's much more uh, like a mob boss than he is like a weak idiot. He just is. The weak idiot part was that that was a low rent take that we all had for so long. And I think uh, people got to start getting past it. He knows what he's doing for the most part, not completely. And he's executing way more of it than any of us want us to want to believe. So the rapid hurricane recovery continues. We'll continue to update to Brightport News. Um, Temporary roads have been constructed to access islands. Very impressive. Um, the a cavalry of linemen are en route to continue to restore power in Florida. Amazing scenes of uh, just just rows and rows and rows and rows of cars or trucks with um, uh, with with linemen on them with the ladders and the giant ladders on the trucks. Really impressive effort. Impressive people. I'll give some begrudging credit to the federal government. I will give tons of credit to Ron DeSantis, who's been on top of the stuff very well. And the people of Florida as well, a lot of them stepping up. But one of our Florida employees, I don't know if he wants to mention this, was out there trying to help people. Asked for a couple days off of work. She'd go try to help people in this community. It's a great spirit. DeSantis warned illegal alien looters that they should be sent back to their home country. Wow. Is he going to get fact-checked? Not all of them are illegal. Some are merely aliens. Because, hey, maybe one of them, you know, is a legit asylum claim. Maybe one. So also warning people, if you loot, we're a Second Amendment state. All right. uh, Some interesting election meddling, election interfering, uh, interference content yesterday for us at Breitbart News. I will mention the lead story right now written by yours truly. And I spent a lot of time on this. So hopefully you all check this out. A deep dive into LinkedIn billionaire Reed Hoffman. So Reed Hoffman, uh, as you guys, or if you're regular listeners know, is along with George Soros behind this good information foundation that I've been obsessed with. This is a new group, so we don't know anything about them because we don't have any of their financial disclosures. And they were the ones who were offering people to make anti-Trump Republican, anti-MAGA videos specifically to impact the midterms, according to a whistleblower. This is a blatant violation of 501c3 laws, so I filed a complaint personally with the IRS. Um, needless to say, I have not heard anything from the IRS since I did that. That is not uh, uh, surprising for a number of reasons. But one of the guys behind is guy Reed Hoffman. His name just keeps coming up over and over again. He's one of the most embarrassing figures in uh, Peter Schweitzer's Red Handed. And he also is, some of his cash is behind Acronym and the Courier Newsroom, which is some of the fakest news ever created by anyone, which I wrote extensively about breaking the news. So he made all of his money from LinkedIn for the most part. Though he's, business-wise, he was part of the founding of PayPal, and he's on the board of Microsoft. Now, Microsoft is incredibly left-wing, incredibly pro-China, and they they go under the radar because you know, Google is a font of all evil. And we, um, so many people in, you know, in social media, I'm sorry, in, in regular media, like I am, have to deal with Facebook and Twitter on a more regular basis. 
because you know we have to distribute our content on them. Uh, Microsoft, you know, we don't need to deal with as often, but they are really bad. Uh, they have you know a- advertising networks are discriminatory against right of center people. They, of course, is the piggy bank of Bill Gates, who uses his money for terrible causes so often. Uh, the the arch globalist trying to control more of your lives because hey he's got a bunch of money. We could go on and on. So the more I dug into Reed Hoffman, the more bad stuff I found. So first of all, um, he I was reminded that in 2016 in Alabama he funded an effort to try to emulate the Russian propaganda scheme that the Russians used to a small degree in 2016 election didn't swing the election but it was you know there was a small effort made and uh, he had done this to try to create fake news on Alabama in their Senate race to try to divide Republicans and push them away from Roy Moore into a write-in candidate so impersonating Republicans incredibly dishonest so they were trying to link uh, the Roy Moore campaign to thousands of Russian accounts that suddenly began following the Republican candidate on Twitter, a development that drew national media attention. That's from the New York Times. It was an elaborate false flag operation, and it was amplified by a Russian bot network. Or I'm sorry, it was it was to send the impression that it was that the Moore campaign was part of a Russian bot network. That's what was amplifying it. Hoffman uh, was behind it. And then when he got found out, then he apologized. But it was only after he found out. He's part of the Chan Zuckerberg initiative. Priscilla Chan, wife of Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg is what it's all about. Uh, this is a uh, he is part of their biomedical arm called the CZ BioHub. Why is the LinkedIn guy uh, doing biomedicine with uh, Mark Zuckerberg? I have no idea, but very frightening to me. He sits on this thing called the Begruen Institute. Begruen Institute. It runs a research center for artificial intelligence at Peking University in China. He has uh, been a part of this group for a while, and they organize regular meetings like the Understanding China meetings with Xi Jinping. And he participates in them and they're designed to push ideas like how America has little to fear from a China-centered world. They also gave, uh, they give money out, bags of cash to left-wing icons like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They gave her a million dollars ostensibly from some, for some award in 2019. So these are just bags of cash for cool liberals. But they call it an award, so then you can do it. So he's collaborated directly with China, as Peter wrote about in Red Handed. LinkedIn was able to stay operational there until 2021, even though places like Twitter and Facebook have been banned for well over a decade. And he did it by helping out Xi Jinping directly on a number of occasions, showing up at events, to help amplify Xi Jinping's vision for the digital age, speaking on behalf of China, publicly praising the Belt and Road Initiative, publicly saying the U.S. should emulate communist China in a lot of ways, uh, having LinkedIn not only host servers that are available 
to the CCP, but basically given he gave them almost unlimited ability to censor on LinkedIn. So very happy to bend the knee in for the CCP in order for LinkedIn to operate there as long as he could. So he also helped other companies like Airbnb mend their relationships with China. So he's like a PR person, a connector, a fixer for the CCP. And this is the guy who's funding these, this effort that has rightfully, I believe, been accused of election meddling in this current election. Oh, I didn't mention he was on Barack Obama's Pentagon Defense Innovation Advisory Board. Think those are related? If you're not convinced this is a bad guy, then let me uh, mention in 2015, he connected MIT, specifically the MIT Media Labs, with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And it led to not only a bunch of Epstein money flowing to MIT, but it helped uh, launder the reputation of Epstein. Hoffman eventually expressed deep regret, but he didn't really because he kind of blamed other people. He didn't really regret it. He blamed um, the, media, the media lab director of MIT, a guy named Joy Ito. But connecting Epstein and getting Epstein money to flow into MIT, another great thing on his resume. So he's got this thing, the Good Information Foundation. We don't know who the staff is. We don't know who the leadership is. We don't know who the board members are. We don't know where the rest of the money is, but we know it's Soros and this guy. A, a Xi Jinping throne sniffer so he could make money with his uh, stupid social media page. These people are controlling our democracy. They're controlling our republic. They're controlling the world. That's why we call them the masters of the universe. And they think they are entitled to do it. And they're doing it with dark money, without disclosures, without the ability to understand exactly what they're doing. Um... The one of the hottest stories yesterday was the the authorities have said the CEO of an election software company sent American poll workers data to China. The New York Times had written a story about how there were conspiracies that an election software company called Connick and their CEO Eugene Yu were uh, the, the victim of conspiracies to start that that the they're a, a, a tiny company and conspiracies from election deniers, which is their disgusting term for people who think that sometimes elections aren't free or fair, uh, were getting targeted. And they were really innocent and super great. And the next day, arrests were made, literally arrests were made. The executive Eugene Yu was arrested because for the firm had... Um, for, for suspicion of theft. So to get all the details, I would recommend going to brightport.com and you can get everything here. Actually, George Gascon did the arresting out, out in LA. Looked into it. Maybe this was too much. Maybe this was crossing the line. He'd been arrested. He was in suspicion of theft after the U.S. user data was found stored in China. Which is exactly what the election deniers that Thompson had, uh, you know, the, the, the Thompson is the, uh, Stuart Thompson is the writer of New York Times, had said was, uh, you know, making stuff up about this really innocent guy, sending our election data to China and lying about it. 
Another one, New York voter rolls include 3.1 million registrants without records proving their identity. So that's how, uh, you how happy how things are going in New York? Well, the people who are in charge have, according to the Public Interest Legal Foundation, P-I-L-F, reviewing their state voter rolls, have found 3.1 million registered that do not have social security numbers or driver's license numbers attached that would prove that they that would prove their identity. That's how low our standards have gotten. Uh, we need to do everything we can to not listen to any establishment and just to try to look at what is the biggest stuff out there and try to fix some things. I think that the right really wasted a lot of time after 2020 on the wrong stuff. We need to focus on things like this. Making sure any of our election companies are not shipping data to China. Making sure that everyone registered to vote can be tied to a social security number or a driver's license. Making sure that dark money from Soros and Reed Hoffman are not manipulating our elections and using our tax code to do it. We need to make sure that a Google is investigated for discriminatory practices to limit information that could impact the election. Same thing for Facebook and Twitter. We need to make sure that you're not voting for three months before the election and nine days after. We need to figure out that uh, uh, we need to make it so that it's illegal to drop off 18 different ballots at nine separate different drop boxes in the middle of the night without accountability for what's going on. Can we start with that stuff? Seems pretty essential. If we'd like to keep our country. If not, we can just be very deeply divided forever. All right, so Donald Trump spoke with us, gave us an exclusive interview to Matt Boyle, and he expressed excitement about a great movement happening all over the world with conservative victories. Um, I think that that's... uh, I think he deserves a little credit for that. I think his taking on the establishments and the fake news media is um, big, but also the Democrats deserve some credit too because they are so bad and the left is so bad all over the world, making energy more expensive, making people less free, lying so often, getting so much wrong with coronavirus, and we're seeing re- uh, the crime rates just explode in our major cities run by Democrats. So crime might be the biggest issue in the end, even more than the Biden inflation, according to a Politico poll. are saying that violent crime is a significant problem in the country. The vast majority of people think crime is getting worse in the United States because Republicans, conservatives, tend to read websites like Breitbart and we're reporting on how much crime is going on every single day and there's horrifying stories every day. And then if you're a left-winger, then you're probably living in a city where you're seeing a bunch of crime. So makes sense. Gavin Newsom is raising the marginal tax rate in California. So it's going to be people in the middle class will now be paying higher rates in the upper classes in every state in the country, aside from a couple. And um, this is designed to do what? Fun stuff that doesn't work, waste of money. Pick in your pocket, but legally, legally. So you got that to look forward to in California. Seeing more and more people leave. Los Angeles is forcing Hollywood celebrities to conserve water by installing flow restrictions, according to a report. Because again, they can dramatically reduce the flow of water to palatial properties. So big properties 
like celebrity mansions, um, asking them to restrict water with uh, this this mechanism, which might be a good thing to do, but to force people on it because they are incompetent with drought, they have never figured it out. Another one of those problems that's there over and over again, never stops. Interesting. There's no demand that any of the problems get solved that a potentially competent government could solve. Just inconvenience yourself more. Pay more, more restrictions, and that's it. That's the only way forward. All right. A Dolphins player named Tyreek Hill says high state taxes kept him from signing with the Jets. Now, this makes sense to me because the pro athletes, they get they, they get really rolled by the tax rate more than basically any other group of people because they can't really hide any of their money. They can't. Um, create write-offs and expenses and can't offshore to a Swiss bank account. Uh, they just got to get paid in the state that they do their work and then they get taxed at the rate that the state charges. I mean, there's no way to hide it. It's very public what all your salaries are. Everyone knows about it. So if you're in a place like California or New York or New Jersey or Hawaii and you're a pro athlete there, then you're just going to pay whatever is on the books. So, and that's going to be north of 50% in some of these places. So that's um, figures that there'd be more athletes that would that would stand up because they're going to pay, you're taking millions of dollar pay cuts to live in places like New York or like Los Angeles or elsewhere. with Derek Van Orden, who is a retired Navy SEAL. He's running for Congress in Wisconsin for a seat that retiring Democrat Ron Kind has held for the last quarter century. And he could be potentially a really strong candidate out there in a race. It could be a bellwether for how this election is going to shake out. Is the red wave on? Uh, Van Orden's seat could be one of those races where we look at and say, yeah, that was a sign. Anyway, we talked to him about the law and order. We talked to him about his time as a SEAL and what those skills, uh, how they could apply in Washington. We talked to him about China buying up our farmland and the importance of agriculture and a lot more in the interview. Let's hear it. Derek, great to have you back on the broadcast. Ron Kind has represented the 3rd District of Wisconsin for 25 years, and that's a long time. Uh, you're trying to flip the seat. What are you seeing here in the state of Wisconsin that gives a Republican like you a chance in this era, this time, where we can maybe see a big a, a big historic change here? Well, I got Ron Kind to retire already, so I'm running against an open seat. Right there is a big win, and uh, he'll be a 26-year sitting Democrat on the Ways and Means Committee that uh, he beat me in, in 2020 by just under three points. I announced my candidacy. He announced that he's retiring. And that is the best decision he's made his entire time in Congress because <laughs> he's going to get beaten. So I'm running against an open seat and against a guy who um, has never had a job outside of politics. He's a career politician and bureaucrat, uh, has no real wor- world experience, never signed the front side of a paycheck, uh, he's never really truly been responsible for anything his entire life. So um, that's why we've got much more than a fighting chance, because people are sick and tired of politics as usual, uh, career politicians rolling in, making these decisions that have proven to be 
tragic for many people. I mean, gas is going to keep skyrocketing. Why? Because of Biden's anti-energy policies. Uh, more people are going to start dying um, with fentanyl overdoses. Why? Because the Biden's open border policies. We still don't know how many Americans are left in Afghanistan. Why? Because of Joe Biden's horrible decision to abandon that country. So people are sick and tired. They're fed up. They want some Republicans with some spines to stand up and say, you know, that's why we're going to win. So you were Navy SEAL before you ended up in politics, and now you're one of many Special Forces Republicans running this year. Why do you think people who are Special Forces guys, SEALs, Green Berets, et cetera, uh, are the best people to shake up Washington right now? Well, I mean, the Special Forces, those are, you know, Army guys, Special Operations Forces, that's us, SEALs, and, and the rest of the gang. But um, I appreciate all veterans that are running for Congress right now because all of us at one point or another have stood up, raised our hand, and decided that we were gonna defend this country um, up to giving our lives for it. And that means something. We're able to put a goal in the military, you know, which is called a mission, above our own personal well-being and safety. And that's really important in DC right now. I think that a lot of folks here have lost the bubble. Um, they just have, and they're thinking about politics and their next election and not about representing the people of their district or the state or the, uh, or the country and soft guys, special operations forces guys, you know, we're just a little more higher octane. We are used to operating in small units. We're used to, um, forming coalitions in order to get the mission done. I mean, if you want someone that's willing to put aside, um, their emotions and look at something objectively and do a database decision, um, that's really what, what SEALs bring to the table and the rest of our soft brothers and sisters. I think this is important because obviously the, if physical danger is entirely different from sort of psychological and mental danger, and I'm not going to purport to know uh, the first thing about you know being in harm's way physically the way you do and some of the people I'm talking about don't, do. Don't visit Chicago then. Yeah, so no, I, I try to avoid it. Trust me, trust me. The it's a, a one step ahead of you on that one. Um, but the but it is interesting because there is so many. If you're an effective right of center leader, it doesn't matter if you're an upstanding citizen. It doesn't matter if you are spend your weekends scooping soup for the homeless in a soup kitchen or volunteering for the elderly. Yeah. It doesn't make a difference. You're going to get attacked relentlessly, and it does take character to be able to deal with that. And it's this is the nature. of of the sort of social media internet age that we're in and is not for the faint of heart. It's not, I'm not equating it to, you know, clearing out mud huts, but it is a, uh, with, with Taliban in there, but it, 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 it is important though, that people who get it, that sometimes the mission is uh, going to be challenging, I think really is important right now. Well, I concur. And here's what we have to remember about the social media stuff. They only get as much as we give them. Meaning they're saying the most vile things about me mm. and about other Republicans around the country, and I'm not giving it to them. Meaning I'm not giving them the time of day because I know they're lying. So they, they require our oxygen to feed their fire, and I'm not giving it to them. And I, I encourage other people not to. There's a few uh, news sources, one in particular, that we really have come up against uh, in the district, and I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna feed into their, their rhetoric. It's just not gonna happen. So I'm gonna focus on representing the people of the third congressional district of the state of Wisconsin, not the liberal elites. 
Um, that's just the way it is. Seventy-five percent of my district does not have a four-year degree. Nine percent of my district has a um, advanced degree, has a graduate degree. So that means that the people who are really living here are the you know the vast majority of them, and we always we always strive to do the greatest amount of good for the greatest amount of people. That's that should be really the bedrock of all political decision making. And so taking care of the folks that are actually living here, are plumbers and pipe fitters and firemen and, and police and the folks that work at Quick, Quick Trip, that's one of our uh, gas stations here, the DPs. Those are the folks that, that really need a voice, not these elitists. So when they put this garbage out on uh, social, we just ignore them now. It's a waste of time. So this is your second time running. You came very close in 2020. Is there anything that you learned the first time around that you feel like you're applying here effectively? 100%, man. Get at least one more vote than the other person. That's a big one. <laughs> That's, um, a <laughs> That's a good start. That's a good start. Write that down pass it around. <laughs> oh, hold on. Producer, um, you got that? I want to save that clip. You got that one? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it just refined a lot of stuff. We made some very minor tweaks in my team. Um, and I'm so incredibly proud of my team. I, I, I will put them up against anybody. I, I think I'm the best campaign manager in the nation. And the rest of the folks are following in. Oh, they're just, they're brilliant. I love having, it sounds so funny. I love having meetings with my team because I'm so interested in everything they have to say. So we're all focused on one thing. I interviewed all those people personally. Everybody on my team is in this for the right reasons. Everybody's in it to save this country for their children and their grandchildren if they have them. Everybody. We have no leakers on my team. So that makes a huge difference. Um, I know that politics, yes, it does. there's a big part of it's a business, but when you got people that are, are gonna go the extra mile, um, that's my whole team. And they're so awesome. Uh, so I'm very, again, I'm very proud of them. I love bragging about my people because you no, know, it, it it sounds fun. I've never been a part of a campaign, and I have to say, uh, it seems like it would be, it could really be exciting because the the, the teamwork just feels like, I mean, it seems like the ultimate team team effort. Um, like, so that's, I, I tell you what, yeah. dude, in a, in a different environment, it's like being uh -huh. in the field platoon again. Everybody wow. has their specialties. Everybody. Uh -huh performs to different levels. You can look at the level they're performing at and go, hey, maybe, you know, try this out or whatever. And then you have a common mission. It's very, it's, it is, I think it's a very good extension of my previous vocation, actually. Uh, Derek Van Orden is with me, retired Navy SEAL candidate for Congress, 3rd District of Wisconsin. Van Orden for Congress.com. I was reviewing some of the stories that we've written about you uh, in the past at Breitbart. Mm -hmm. In one that uh, I was reminded of, which I'm really happy I caught this because I get to ask you about it. In the, the 2020 race that you had saved a 77-year-old woman who was choking during dinner. This is the middle of the campaign. I mean, did, did you ever stay in touch with her? Did you ever catch up on that? As a matter of fact, I have. Really? Is an oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you sort of have a bond at that point. I imagine. Um, yeah. And uh, she looked out. I'm not going to say her name on the radio because we haven't talked about this ahead of time. But, yeah, so uh, we stay in contact. And she, at the time, she was living in Illinois, but she's moving back up here to Wisconsin. So she actually be, may be one of my constituents here shortly. But, yeah, she has an incredibly awesome story. She was from the South and um, oh, I think it was West Virginia. I mean, abject real poverty. And I love the way she talks because she's 
I mean, she's one of the most elegant women you're ever going to meet. But when you're speaking to her, she can get her West Virginia on. And she said, I turned 18 and I'm out of there, man. She wanted to move to Chicago, starting a jewelry business. I mean, really fantastic woman. So yeah, we stay in touch. And I think Sounds dangerous. It's important. You know what's funny, man, is <laughs> the local press is so biased here. I don't think they covered that story at all. And it was, yeah, it was like a, a, mile, a mile from their office. Right. Uh, you know, because I'm a Republican. And, yes, of course. And I get it. I mean, to save, saving someone's life and having that positive effect on their family is way more important. You know what I mean? That to me, that's paramount. But uh, the fact that these folks, you know, don't see this news really is telling. Yeah, I, I've thought about this: how something you can actually do for real human beings in your community or in your your life is often more important than you know theoretical stuff you do at work or online. So just 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 something to consider. Um, I want to ask you about your opponent, Brad. Is it Faf? I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's a... It's Faf. Right. Faf. Okay. So right. so he is, uh, as far as we can tell, has refused to condemn the release of this heinous serial killer and rapist, Terrence Shaw, who is known as the Meat Hook Killer, um, uh, who is, I guess, from his hometown. And you have not been silent on this one. Uh, what's going on here, yeah. and why won't your opponent talk about it? This is a logical extension of the defund the police movement. So our police officers have been demonized and criminals have been allowed to run free and people are, are too afraid to say something. Um, so this guy was released by the state of Wisconsin, the Department of Corrections. His name is Terrence Shaw. Um, he raped and murdered a mother of two. That family fell apart completely. The dad could not take it. I think he wound up drinking himself to death. Just tragic, and that's in that story. Boys, you know, are just been profoundly affected by this. Department of Corrections releases this guy into a daycare in Onalaska, Wisconsin. Brad Path, my opponent, if you look at his official website, it's D Onalaska. So that's where he lives. But he's so afraid to go against Governor Evers that he will not protect the women and children in his own community. So you can say a lot of stuff about a lot of people, man. But when you start talking about not doing your duty as a state senator by saying, what are we doing? We've re the, the Department of Corrections in the state of Wisconsin has released hundreds of these hardcore criminals, child rapists and murderers, and the Democrats in this state are too afraid to say something about it. That's pathetic. So not only does Brad Path have no business being in U.S. Congress, he should resign his seat as a state senator. He's my state senator. Mm. And it, he's, he's unwilling to speak truth to power in this most heinous instance. How is he going to do it over like a subtle budgetary thing in D.C.? How is he going to do it about defense policy? How is he going to do it about any other policies? So this is indicative of someone that is unwilling to put the safety of a community above his own personal political interest. That's what's going on. It is noteworthy because this has come up throughout the conversation today. That is crime just seems to be one of the sleeper issues. I think everyone knows the Biden inflation is a huge issue in this election. Uh, but 77% of Americans are now viewing a rising crime as a major problem in America, and it is. And 
that's right. why you're right. It is an extension of the of the BLM uh, uh, stuff. And Wisconsin, by the way, has a lot of it has been the breeding ground for a lot of this. And I don't think it's your district per se, but I've done a lot of reporting on some of the activists left uh, this summer. And a lot of them are right there in Wisconsin. And so it does feel like high stakes for your area. It is. Listen, Mandela Barnes, the current lieutenant governor of the state of Wisconsin, who's running for Senate against Senator Ron Johnson, and he's going to lose. He's a defund the police, abolish ICE guy. Brad Path has been campaigning with Mandela Barnes. Mark Pocan is the uh, congressman for life over in Madison, radical leftist. Uh, he is one of the most um, radical members of Congress, the progressive guys. Brad Path is going around campaigning with him. So if you're going around campaigning with proven, you know, <laughs> sign on the dotted line, defund the police uh, folks, get rid of ICE. So this Pocan guy, he is a socialist. He named his dog after Che Guevara, the communist wow. mass murderer. That's that's who Brad Path is campaigning with. So he's pretending like he's, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers, oh, golly shucks, let's all get along. No way. He's a... Uh, Wolf and sheep's clothing. Derek Van Orden, a last one for today. If you get to Washington, what is your priority list? What are the first few things you would want to get done? I do everything I possibly can to make sure I get on the agriculture committee because I represent the agriculture district. Um, that's that's imperative. What's the best thing we can do now for American agriculture? If you just look at it from the, the macro scale is open up American energy independence. Because to put a seed in the ground, to water that seed, to get it out of the ground, to get it to a processing facility, to get it to a store, takes diesel. And diesel's going up again. Let's not forget that. The vast majority of nitrogen comes from natural gas. What did Joe Biden shut off on day one? Natural gas. So if you think food prices are bad now, and they're about 13 to 17%, depending on what you look at, increase, stand by because farmers had a lock in fertilizer cost for next year and there's a dearth to the plant shut down in England because they can't afford input costs. The, the Yara plant is at 24% production over in Scandinavia because they can't afford import co- or input costs. Russia's not going to export to the U.S. at least five years, at least. And we've got these goofy tariffs around the world, especially with Morocco. So we're not going to have enough fertilizer or it's going to be so expensive that our food prices are going to continue to skyrocket and the farmers don't get any more money, so they're going to wind up going out of business. That's what I'm worried about. Food yeah, and is national standard. We can't forget that, man. Nine, right, and we're nine meals away from anarchy at any point. And, and you're competing now with you know Bill Gates and China and all these entities that are buying up all the farmland that, that they can. And it's, it's kind of a race now to whether or not the good guys or the bad guys are going to buy up our farms. Well, that needs to be directly addressed. I do not think the Chinese Communist Party should be able to buy up American land, especially American land around military bases. I mean, that is just... Yep, they're putting it close to military bases. That's true. That's true. They're trying to get in proximity to the military bases. Why do you think they're doing that specifically? Like, well, why do you think that they're, because I've been tracking this. Yeah, why are they specifically targeting, we know they're buying up our farmlands, not just our farmlands, the whole agriculture industry, they're trying to do this. But why do you think they're going specifically near the bases? Okay, man. 
when you're planning military operations, the, the first thing is actually called phase zero. And that's all the preparatory work you need to do before you move on to a next phase. And I'm not saying that I think the Chinese are gearing up to invade the United States, but the, the conducts they're, distrib- they're displaying are what would be phase zero operations. And at a level that is nastier than buying farmland. So we 100% know that the precursor chemicals or the refined drug fentanyl is made in China. And then it's 90% of it smuggled through the southern border, through Mexico, right? We know that for certain. Why would China be doing that? To make money and also to destabilize the population. Which begs the question, if the Biden administration knows, and they absolutely 100% know for certainty what I just said is true, why wouldn't they close the border? You know yeah. what I mean? Ask yourself yeah. these questions. When you, when you break these things down, very logically, and again, it's not emotional, it has nothing to do with my political future and that stuff. It's having written unconventional warfare campaign plans. I know what they look like. And all these seemingly disparate bits of, of information, you know, are coming to fruition. And that's not some wild conspiracy theory. Over 100,000 American citizens have died of federal overdose since Joe Biden took office. That's like a 747 full of people crashing every day. Do you think the FAA would look into that? I do. So why doesn't the Biden administration look into the, all these deaths from fentanyl when we know absolutely for certain where it's coming from? You know, ponder that for a little bit. And then get uh, out and vote Republican. I will. Derek Van Orden, uh, so where can we direct people if they want to keep up with what you're doing for the rest of the campaign? Um, VanOrdenForCongress.com or at Derek Van Orden on Twitter and Facebook. And I just want to throw this out there. Nancy Pelosi dropped like $2 million bucks in this district for my competitor. And so polls are coming out. They're looking good, but they're not giving up this seat. So I need yes. everybody's help. VanOrdenForCongress.com, and I appreciate it greatly. Yeah, I think in Wisconsin going to be a big bellwether. I think these are really big races out there. We got our eye on them very closely. And best of luck to you the rest of the way. Well, thank you very much. You have a great day. Thanks to producers Zach Jones and Greg Eben and Robert Marlowe, who helps me pick topics, and all of you who shared all of our content online, the social web. Can't thank you enough. Going to Breitbart.com, leaving a comment, etc. And check out My Son Hunter this weekend. Watch it if you haven't watched it. Great way to support us. That's all for me for today. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Oh, the time.